A reading from the Book of Wisdom. The souls of the just are in the hand of God, and no torment shall touch them. They seemed in the view of the foolish to be dead, and their passing away was thought an affliction, and their going forth from us utter destruction. But they are in peace, for if before men indeed they be punished, yet is their hope full of immortality. Chastised a little, they shall be greatly blessed, because God tried them and found them worthy of himself. As gold in a furnace, he proved them, and as sacrificial offerings, he took them to himself. In a time of their visitation, they shall shine and shall dart about as sparks through stubble. They shall judge nations and rule over peoples, and the Lord shall be their king forever. Those who trust in him shall understand truth, and the faithful shall abide with him in love. Because grace and mercy are with his holy ones, and he cares, and his care is with his elect. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. 
Brothers and sisters, if by the transgressions of the one, death came to reign through that one, how much more would those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of justification come to reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ? In conclusion, just as through one transgression, condemnation came upon all, so through one righteous act, acquittal and life came to all. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of one, the many will be made righteous. The law entered and so that transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace overflowed all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through justification for eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Dominus Fobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Ioannem. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. 
Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. Verbum Domini. this commemoration of the faithful departed or all souls day we pray in a very particular way for the dead and not just today but they are remembered in prayer in a special way throughout the whole month of november yesterday we rejoiced in the solemnity of all the saints that is all those who are now enjoying eternal life with god in heaven but today there's a different tone the vestments are black there's a tone that's more solemn a tone of mourning, of penance, and a reminder of death. So we turn our attention today to a spiritual work of mercy, of praying for the dead, praying for those who have died in a state of grace and friendship with God, but are currently experiencing any necessary purification for their sins before they enter into heaven. And it really is a blessing that the church, as a loving mother, does not forget her children who have gone on from this life by setting aside a very specific day and even a month to remind us to pray for the deceased. Now the church and sacred scripture clearly teach that the glory of heaven is for those who have been purified from the stain of sin. The book of Revelation tells us that nothing unclean shall enter heaven. We also refer to our Lord's words and teaching in the gospel when he said in Matthew 12, uh, verse 32, whoever says a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. So according to our Savior, there are some sins that can be pardoned after death. Our Lord also taught a few verses after this in Matthew 12, verse 36, that on the day of judgment, men will render account for every careless word they utter. So words that are careless, that is, they're not well thought through, don't necessarily merit hell, eternal separation with God. But our Lord says there will be punishment for them. We will have to answer for every careless word that we utter. So after judgment and in the next life, there must be a place or state of temporal punishment and purification for minor faults and sins. One more teaching from our Lord that I'd like to mention is from Matthew 5 chapter 5, verses 25 and 26, when our Lord talks about not getting out of prison until you have paid the last penny. And we just had this gospel, I think this past week or so, St. Luke's version of it. But our Lord in this teaching advises us to be reconciled and to be repentant here on earth before we make it to the judge, lest we be purified for the offense after this life. So there's a clear reference to a payment that must be made either in this life or in the next that we won't get out until we paid the last penny. But the detention in the prison is temporary. Right? He said you won't get out until you've paid the last penny. So it can't be heaven or hell, again, pointing to the reality of purgatory. 
because we must be perfectly purified before entering heaven. In hell, there's no getting out of hell. It is eternal punishment. So regarding purgatory, the catechism reminds us that all who die in God's grace and friendship, but still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation. But after death, they undergo purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. It's very important to note that purgatory is not a second chance, right? So we can't blow it in this life having no regard for God and then expect, oh, I'll get another chance after this life. Purgatory is not about a second chance. The quotation from the catechism they just noted is for those who have died in a state of grace, right? They have died in friendship with God or without unrepentant mortal sin on their souls. It's just that further purification is needed. This is why, as Mother Angelica would say, we don't want to aim for purgatory. Just sliding in, because if we aim for purgatory and we miss, we're going to be eternally regretful. Rather, we want to aim for heaven. If we still need some purification from slight attachment to sin or unexpiated sin, we'll undergo that purification in the process of purgatory. Now, for those who are undergoing purification in purgatory, they are referred to, and as part of our tradition, we refer to them both as the holy souls and as the poor souls. Right? They're holy because they've died in a state of grace and friendship with God, and they will make it to heaven. They're guaranteed heaven after this purification process is complete. Again, there's no failing purgatory. It's not a second chance that you can either go to heaven or hell from purgatory. Every soul in purgatory will make it to heaven after their purification is complete. But they're also called the poor souls in purgatory in the sense that they can no longer help themselves. So they rely upon God's mercy and upon our prayers for them. That's why it's an act of mercy, one of the spiritual works of mercy to pray for the dead. The second book of Maccabees reminds us that it is a holy and wholesome thought to pray for the dead that they may be loosed from sins. St. John Fisher would say regarding purgatory that every one of us has some friends and kinsfolk there. Therefore, we must do like friends and be loving unto them, right? We show our love by praying for them. It's interesting to note that ancient tomb inscriptions from the early, from the second and third centuries in the catacombs in Rome, they often show on these inscriptions they're often beseeching the mercy of God and appealing to the prayers of other Christians to pray for them. So one such inscription read, I do not deserve to be united with the Lord. By your prayers, obtain for me that God pardon my sins. This goes back to the early church, the sense that to, the, to pray for the deceased, to recall to pray for our beloved dead. Now another saint, St. Thomas More, had a very striking meditation or reflection that he gave and he was meditating upon what might be perhaps the first joy and the first sorrow or pain in purgatory again it's a it's a purification process there is a hope or a joy because one knows that they will experience heaven but there's also that that sense of suffering and purification so when he was reflecting on this saint thomas more wrote that the first pain of purgatory perhaps is the anguish and shame of the newly arrived soul to look his old friends in the face in purgatory, whom he remembered himself to have forgotten while he lived. Right, so when a deceased loved one dies, we usually, it's very fresh in our mind and we pray for them, 
It's very easily over time, very easy over time that we forget to pray for them. And so that's just something to think about. So that's what he says would be the first pain in purgatory. Now, with regard to the first joy in purgatory, he says it's angels showing the suffrages which had been done for the soul by their relatives and friends, right? knowing that your loved ones are praying for you here on earth that are still going through this pilgrimage. And that's a joy, knowing that they're being prayed for. So very practically speaking, what can we do for the souls in purgatory? So I just mentioned we're called to pray for them. Right? We can pray for them with the familiar eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, to pray for them to pray that prayer when passing a cemetery or when they come to mind. We also commonly pray for the holy souls after meals with the prayer, may the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. And we know that the greatest prayer that we can offer for the holy souls is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The Mass itself, but also within the Mass, during the Eucharistic prayer, the Church always recalls and prays for the deceased. There's a memento for the dead, right, that we bring our loved ones to the Lord. We unite them to the sacrifice being offered on the altar of our Lord's own sacrifice on the cross. St. Monica, who died in the fourth century, was well aware of the truth that the sacrifice of the Mass can greatly benefit our souls and the souls in purgatory. This is why she told her son, St. Augustine, the following words before she died. She said, This one request I make to you, that wherever you be, you remember me at the altar of the Lord. And she wanted her son, St. Augustine, to remember her soul when he offered the holy sacrifice of the Mass at the altar. And St. Cyril of Jerusalem, who also died in the late 4th century, he was explaining the ceremonies of the church to new converts to the faith. And he said, we also make mention of those who have already died, for we believe that it will greatly benefit the souls of those for whom the petition is offered up during the presentation of this holy and solemn sacrifice. Again, bringing our loved ones to the holy sacrifice of the mass, praying for them during the mass. And making a connection here to the account of Second book of Maccabees, chapter 12, St. John Vianney, the patron of all priests, would add in one of his sermons, he said, when the good Judas Maccabeus sent 12,000 drachmas to the temple in Jerusalem as a sacrifice for the benefit of his soldiers who had fallen in battle, so that by virtue of this sacrifice, they might be freed from their sins, then tell me, May we not reasonably expect the deliverance of souls from purgatory by the greater virtue of this most holy sacrifice of the Mass. Right? This is the greatest sacrifice of God himself become man, the Lord offering himself on the cross to his heavenly Father for our salvation. So in assisting the holy souls in purgatory, we pray for them. We can also gain indulgences for them which remit temporal punishment due to sin. And by way of reminder, the conditions to gain a plenary indulgence, besides doing or, or praying the indulgence prayer or doing the act itself, are to have that interior disposition of complete detachment from sin, even venial sin. We do not want to offend the Lord. To have gone to sacramental confession and received Holy Communion within 20 days before or after the indulgence act. And to pray for the intentions of the Holy Father. Right? And this can be satisfied by an Our Father and a Hail Mary. 
Now, as we pray for the poor souls and we think about the last things throughout this month of November, that is death, judgment, heaven, and hell, it's also good to prepare ourselves right, for meeting the Lord when he calls us. Now, we know for ourselves that it is possible to be purified in this life before our death, especially by accepting those crosses that the Lord permits in our lives, the sufferings that come our way, to accept them, to embrace them for the love of Christ. And prayers and penances, they purify us. And as we know, any attachment to sin will need to be purified before entering heaven. So now's a good time to work on it, right? To cooperate with God's grace. And again, we pray today that all the souls being purified in purgatory, especially those who are most forgotten by us and those most in need of prayer, may soon join all the angels and saints rejoicing in heaven.